Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Yeah.
talked about Memorial Day or discussed Memorial Day, said uh, we're glad to have the appreciation towards us, but uh, this one's more about making sure that we remember all the people that are gone or never made it home or lost their lives in service, which is, you know, is what you just highlighted there. So, but happy Memorial Day, man. Uh, May wrapping up, lots of things going on. And uh, I don't know, the one thing I'll say is uh, in this crazy world that we're in, like, the beauty of competition and seeing people lay it all out there, the things that have gone on, uh, you know, that's at least I find joy in that uh, throughout life, you know what I mean? So, come on, Thomas. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, this is this is a very interesting show. Uh, I think this is going to be a lot of fireworks. I can't lie, Sports City. One thing that I have to deal with right now is a personal sports situation, and you guys know me for as long as I've been doing this. I don't like to talk about any of my teams, but I have to talk about one because um, they're doing good right now. <laughs> and, and, boy, you're talking about the edge of your seat. I'm at the edge of my seat. But we'll we'll get to that a little later because the reason why I'm hanging on to that is the two words, in the postseason in all of sports that everybody bites their nails, gets ready for, just amped up is game seven. So I I have to try to do that the best that I can. But first and first, uh, we had in the boxing world last night, there was a fight between Rolando Roley Romero and Gervonta Tank Davis in the middle of Brooklyn, New York, which is 45 minutes away from where I am. And before that fight started, knowing these guys' history of what they've done in a boxing ring, I knew that this would not go the distance. These guys are knockout artists, and we got what we asked for. Um, The crazy part about this fight was, they were really doing their best to, like, stay away from the bomb. So they're doing more of the fill-out situation, taking shots when they can, throwing, it, you know, a straight here or a solid punch, uh, just trying to get in and, and lay that hammer, what they're known for. And um, this went on for about five rounds. Uh, they get to the sixth round, and this is when the technical knockout happened. Um, there was the portion of the fight in the sixth round where – Roley is still stalking Tank because he's the bigger fighter. He's taller and he weighs more than Tank. He's stalking Tank and Tank is on like, I don't really want to say the backpedal, but he's like eluding this pressure and Roley steps in to throw like a barrage of punches. He's missing and then he throws his left, misses completely and Tank throws a a solid left hook. Um, But he... Tank actually stated that wasn't everything. So Tank said he could have threw it harder. And when you see the replay, it doesn't look like a normal Tank knockout blow. Um, But nevertheless, Roley is falling forward toward it and gets caught. And the way that he – the timing of everything on that check hook, it was so devastating that Roley went from the top rope, the third rope, the second rope, the first rope, all face first to the canvas. If those ropes weren't there, he would have fell into the crowd. And um, when he tried to get up, his legs were not underneath him. And that's what normally happens when somebody gets hit on the button on the chin. The first thing that you got to get stable are your legs. Your legs are trying to stand up is one thing. And you think it's so normal because that's something you do every day. You get up and walk. And when you see the replay, he is jello. He can't get his feet underneath him. And me, the nature of the boxing fan in me is like, you want to see him get finished. But the ref did the right thing because he really couldn't stand up straight in front of him. And he's trying to give his hands to him. And, and he gave his hands to the ref to like feel the strength of him. And he just couldn't stand up straight. The ref was like, it's over. And that's how the fight kind of, it well, the fight ended off a technical knockout. And um, Tank was extremely happy, even went in his face after the knockout and, Roley took that severely personal that uh, Roley didn't stay in the ring for the post-conference or, you know, the post-presser that he's getting from Jim Gray. And even after Tank talked, Jim Gray tried to go to the locker room and they ignored Jim Gray too. So this was a very personal fight, uh, a very good fight for those first five rounds that they were, 
you know, stalking each other, trying to make something happen. But I literally think it turned up once Tank seen his mother on the screen, like, getting pumped up. And then when she started dancing, he got hype. And once he seen his mother dancing, he tried to call her. She didn't hear him. He went after him, and, and he finished him. Um, it's bad because Roley is young. He doesn't really have that many fights. Now 14-1-0 with no draws, and he has 12 knockouts to his resume i wonder where he goes in that division because there's a, a good amount of good names there but to talk about tank tank has a lot of names in front of him too and he just basically said whoever he wants he's here but he likes fighting in new york so i wonder if he keeps that coming to the venue of the barclays but mike from what you've seen or heard about the fight last night your thoughts on how dynamic this fight went down uh with Tank stopping Roley in the sixth round. So I think it's a, I mean, like you said, you, you said, and I knew it too. You and I have talked about this on multiple platforms in the barbershop as well. Shout out to 11K and Strong in the barbershop on Clubhouse. But we we said this would end in a, in a knockout, like you said just now. I, I said uh, last night, I, I could be wrong, but I was like, it could be four. I was like, maybe it's four rounds. I mean, so it went a couple more, but, like, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised to see this thing over within uh, within five rounds, which is what we – which is what we saw. And, I mean, six. But I I think you're right. They both avoided – were trying to avoid those shots or be careful. I thought um, – I thought Rolando Roley was actually able to uh, – you know, land some shots early and fight like the bigger fighter and, like, impose his size a little bit um, in those early rounds. I mean, almost the game plan that I would think that you would have to have in order to win that fight, right? And so I, I saw a good bit of that, I thought, from from him early on. And then, like you said, Tank started finding a little bit of range and started kind of uh, – looked like he was coming on a little bit as, as, those, uh, as we got into rounds five and six. And you just started to wonder. We knew it was going to be over. And uh, I said going in, I thought Tank. But you could have seen it happening either way because of the type of dynamic punches that both of these guys are. I think that Roy's still got some uh, good fighting left in him. I'm curious to see if it, you know, Ryan Garcia next for, uh, for Tank or where he goes there. And how far he can go, I think it's interesting that, you know, what's he going to do promotion-wise now? Where is he going to sign? Um, that could have a lot to do with what matchups he takes next and what happens next in his career. Yeah, and uh, there's a laundry list of, of fighters in there, especially with, like, Lomachenko looking for a fight because uh, he's on his bounce back from the loss that he took from Teofimo Lopez. Um and I really feel like these, these situations could occur a lot in these uh, these upcoming bouts in, in boxing. Boxing trying to make his way back, especially with these names that we have, especially with Terrence Crawford uh, with his next fight coming up and no one else called him out. So I, I feel like the electric is coming back to bo- uh, boxing. As long as they get the right fights lined up for us to fan, uh, to enjoy these matches. But this was a, a clear-cut good fight, and I, I knew – the gladiator fan in me was gonna. It, I was gonna have that fulfilled. Uh, Roly was, was gonna go for a knockout. Where'd you say for that? Roly was gonna go for a knockout, and, and so was Tank at that point in time. And uh, no, knowing that uh, <laughs> at that time when Roly was stalking Tank, he was going for the knockout because he thought that he had. Tank basically on the back pedal, and, and Tank got out the way, eluded that, and, and threw a massive hook at the right time. But it wasn't everything, and you could clearly see that he didn't throw everything. But it it, it, it did enough to get him out. It only takes two pounds of pressure toward the chin. Um, that fight, I think, was seventy dollars. I think on pay per view. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But um, it's something like that. But other fights yeah. go with hundred, high a hundred, so on and so forth. So. But um, we, we'll see as time goes on. There's a fight coming up next week uh, in the fighting world, too. Um, again, like I said, uh, 
you know, we, we even in the women uh, boxing, there's, there's, there's uh, Clarissa still there doing her thing too. So boxing is still hanging on with their big relevant fights. But I, I wish it was the years of yesteryear where everything you've seen every Saturday was a bomb fest or something to get ready for. But at least boxing is re, restating their claim, if you will. But MMA is still a big fish. But it, it, the boxing fan in me ain't going to pass out on that situation, that's for sure. Okay. Is there anything that you would like to add before we get away from that? No, I mean, like, I only asked uh, about the amount of that because I, I think that that was a fight that was, uh, you know, for what's worth, it's worth the money uh, in the, that you got shots. It took a little while to get into it, but you got shots, and this wasn't people that just kind of uh, uh, danced around and didn't engage. Like, we were expecting a, a knockout and something to happen, and, like, it was pretty spectacular the way he fell, right? Like, and like you knew he was just, he was messed up, right? Like it was all over, and so you you got to see that, like you said, the gladiator fulfilled. Okay, so we'll move away from the boxing situation. I don't know which way to go right now. I'll do the one that that I could fill in the gaps right here and kind of stay away from the meat and the potatoes, even though I'm. Um, I have no choice but to get to the meat and potatoes, and I can't wait to do it. So first and foremost, in baseball, I, I will do this the best that I can. I'll save the best for last. I will start with the National League. Uh, the New York Mets are still sitting atop the National League East at 31-17. and 17. Uh, they're on a two-game winning streak at this point in time, seven and three in their last ten. The Atlanta Braves are now catching up, but they are 22-25 and 25 at this point in time. Eight and a half games back, they lost their last game. They're five and five out of their last ten. The Philadelphia Phillies are twenty-one twenty-six. The Miami Marlins are nineteen and twenty-five, and the Washington Nationals are seventeen and thirty-one. The Milwaukee Brewers lead the National League Central. They are twenty-nine and eighteen. The Cardinals are behind them with twenty-six and twenty at this point on two and a half games back. The Pittsburgh Pirates are 19 and 26 at this time. The Cubs are the same at 19 and 26. The Cincinnati Reds are 16 and 30 at this point in time. The National League West, uh, they have the best record in the National League, being the Los Angeles Dodgers at 32 and 14. They're eight and two out of their last ten. They're on a three-game winning streak. The San Diego Padres are still doing well without Tatis. They are 29 and 17. Three games back from the Dodgers. The Giants are 24 and 21. The Diamondbacks are 23 and 25, and the Rockies are 21 and 25, rounding out the NL West. To me, clearly, I think that is the best division in baseball, being the NL West. What people could probably differ, because I see nobody really having a strong four that could compete like that across the board. Maybe the no, and it is it is them. So. Starting from the bottom, the AOS, the Houston Nationals are 29 and 18. The Los Angeles Angels are 27 and 21. The Texas Rangers are 22 and 23. The Mariners are 20 and 27. And the Oakland A's round out the bottom of the AOS at 19 and 30. The AL Central, the Minnesota Twins are 28 and 19. The Chicago White Sox are 22 and 23. The Cleveland Guardians are 19 and 23. The Detroit Tigers are 16 and 29, and the Kansas City Royals round out the bottom of the AL Central, uh, being 16 and 29. The best team in the league at this point in time in all of Major League Baseball, and you know this pains me to say this if you know me, <laughs> the New York Yankees are 33 and 14. They are rolling. The Tampa Bay Rays are 27 and 19. The Blue Jays are 26 and 20. The Red Sox are 22 and 25, and the Orioles round out the bottom of the American League East at 20 and 28. Um, Mike, is there any team or teams that you'd like to, you know, analyze uh, from what I've discussed on where they are in their respective divisions? Yeah, let's go a couple quick. Like you were reading what they did in their last ten. Uh, really quick, where you got the Yankees? What are the Yankees in their last ten? Did they show you right there? Excuse me, repeat that. I'm sorry, it broke up on my end. Okay. What do you have for the Yankees in their last 10 games? 
they are five and five in their last ten games. They lost their last game uh, last night. Um, I say that to point out that not off to such a hot start, which definitely gets them a cushion, but they definitely have uh, some injuries and some things that they're going to uh, have to fight through and some adversity uh, with Stanton on the IL and, and others. So we'll see what happens there. The Dodgers are now only like a half a game back for the best record in baseball, which is something that we kind of expected. Uh, getting what we're, we expected across all divisions, the teams that the Twins, Making it, uh, being in first place right now, or sitting in a nice position. Uh, are your teams in first two? What I will say is, I think it, this is an interesting question. I understand that the Dodgers are probably going to have the best overall record in the league, and I understand that the Padres are playing pretty well. Um, and I also understand that the Nationals are going to struggle this year. But I think that the National League East could stand up pretty well against the National League West. I think there's some pretty good pitching across that division um, and some and some decent offenses. So I think the National League East can stand up pretty well against the West. I'm not sure that that's as, uh, I'm not sure that it, that's as clear cut on who's the better division in the National League. Uh, as far as I'm, I'm impressed with Minnesota, man, they're getting good pitching. They got more arms coming up. Uh, you're start, they're starting to get some guys back healthy. You got Trevor Larnick back and, and those guys are, um, impressed to see that and I'm also looking to see like there's three teams right now and the the White Sox and the Red Sox and the Braves like they're both within like three of 500 ones the White Sox are only 22 and 23 and the Braves and Red Sox are both sitting at, at 22 and 25 but uh, they're starting to get healthier kind of get right that Red Sox offense especially the top half of it is really tough uh, obviously the question is can they pitch enough and the Braves are starting to get some guys back. They still need to get Rosario, but that's still a pretty good, formidable lineup uh, there. So we'll see. But uh, I look at teams like like the Yanks, and I say, you know, they got their start. Can how well can they maintain, or how can they, uh, you know, can they stay there? So that's the fun part about baseball. If you just kind of stop, if you're not a uh, Huge follower. You can still break it down every ten games and just kind of see where, see where things are every week or two, like every week or so, like we do, and still kind of keep a finger on the pulse uh, throughout the season. But good job so far on the Twins and the Mets. That's my other thing that I will say is uh, the Mets are, even with some injuries, are starting still kind of playing through it. They're playing well even in their last ten. Uh, some promising news on the ground possibly. Uh, moving forward very soon, but that that's a team that's been able to produce some offensively and and still find a way to get it done. So uh, the Mets, I, I think, are going to be there are going to be there all year, and I think at least one other team from that National League East is going to be in the the wild card discussion, whether or not they make it. We'll see. And the Red Sox are starting. I mean, the White Sox are starting to get their legs under them. Uh, right as they did, Luis Robert gets COVID and some other things. So we'll see if they can. And if you haven't had a chance to, at some point, uh, just for anybody that wants to see some a guy with some dynamic stuff that uh, that you don't hear a lot of, Sandy Alcantara from uh, the Marlins man. Like, listen, this guy just to get me over fastball is hitting a hundred. Uh, his changeups ninety one. Like, just absolutely filthy stuff and. Uh, the numbers reflect out, but he's really he's been he's been around for a couple of years. He was part of that. He was the Marcelo Suna trade. That's what the Marlins got back when they traded Osuna to St. Louis, um, and that's really starting to come home to roost for them. So, uh, but he's a fun guy to watch pitch. His stuff is really really electric. So if you haven't gotten a chance to see him yet, uh, take a look at Sandy Alcantara. He's uh, he's worth the look. He'll probably pitch again towards the end of the week, probably Thursday or Friday for the. Marlins, I would say. Okay. Um, we'll see with the White Sox right now. They're four and six out of their last ten. They lost two. They're on a losing streak. And Jimenez, again, is now injured for them. So they have been bitten by the injury bug since the start of the season until now, too. So we'll wait to see more of the update on what's happening with him as well. Um, but nevertheless, they are a team to be concerned with. They were the ones that a lot of people considered that would win the AL Central again outright, but uh, the Twins have the lead on them by five. But 
Uh, nevertheless, that this is an interesting division battle and rivalry um, at this point in time. But I do want to get away from this because we do have a lot more stuff to get into, uh, including the meat and potatoes of what we have going on in the National Basketball Association. Um, earlier this week, or not even earlier this week, but a few days ago, the Golden State Warriors take care of business in their series in the Western Conference Final, um, taking apart the Dallas Mavericks. And, and I have to, you know, give kudos to the Mavericks for getting this far uh, to making it this interesting for their season to make it seem like they could get to the NBA Finals, but there's just too much on Golden State's end for Dallas to compete with. Um, Dallas loses in game six to the Warriors. The Warriors uh, advance – no, excuse me, game five. I said that incorrectly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, in game five, the Golden State Warriors advance to another finals. Uh, I think it's – out of the last eight years, they got to six of them. So you got to give credit to these guys being back to where they were. And the one thing about it, you know, me being the fan of a team in the Western Conference, they're a rival, so it makes me, like, grip my teeth at it. But I have to respect that all of them that went through something from Draymond dealing with injury to Clay missing two straight seasons and then looking at Steph Curry while all of that happened, he broke his hand. For them to get back here while a lot of people, including myself, I didn't think Golden State would get here. Um, but then it started repairing out once they started to get stronger. And it's like their strength now, they're, they're back to a stronghold uh, in the Western Conference. I thought the only team that could probably stop them would be Phoenix. But Phoenix just, they don't have the mental capacity to keep it together. Uh, started from the top, from Monty Williams, through how it riddled throughout the organization. So now Golden State is awaiting uh, their opponent in the Eastern Conference. But nevertheless, they took out the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Luka had an amazing run from start to finish of all of the playoffs. Uh, and he's young. He's an offensive powerhouse. The one thing that he has to get better at is his defensive prowess. And a lot of people pick on his conditioning, saying that he needs to get in shape. I think he's in shape. I think if they want him to be in shape how they want him, it takes a power away from him because he actually uses his body well to either post up guys or get to the lane where it's hard for them to like reach around him and get to block or contest shots. So uh, I think Luca is what he is. It's just his defense. If, if he was able to stay in front of people or, you know, get steals here or there, then it'd be a different scenario, but he can go in there and put up 28. He can go in there and put up 35. He'll go up there and put up 45. But at the end of the day, if he's continuing to shoot the ball more than everybody else out there and he's a point guard, they're players that are cold and they're waiting to play alongside him. And uh, I personally call that theater basketball where everybody's watching him. I think another thing that hurt Dallas was that uh, they didn't have defense in the, in the paint at all, and they got rid of the guy that could have helped them there with Chris Dabbs Porzingis. Uh, Dwight Powell is a natural power forward that they have playing the five. He's not a, a shot contester. So this makes it interesting on where Dallas is going to go to get a big to do that. But nevertheless, uh, they missed Tim Hardaway Jr. due to the injury that he had to deal with. Everybody else kind of played their role. Uh, Brunson played a great job for them, Jalen Brunson. Um, Cleaver was here or there. He he really didn't do well in this series, but he did enough to get them to this point. Um, but Dallas has to, you know, build off of what Jason Kidd has. Jason Kidd did, did a great job coaching them in his really his first stint with them this season um, and doing that well in the Western Conference. So this is something that they don't have to hang their head on uh, at the end of the day. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on the Golden State Warriors taking care of business up against the Dallas Mavericks? I mean, we said going into the series even that it was probably going to be a matter of how many, not who. And you know, they did it in five, and I think you're right. I think Kid did a really nice job there. I think that uh, Luca has, uh, like, you know, he made it further than he has before. So kudos to him and, and to that team. I think you still got to continue to make that roster to have uh, more weapons to go to war. I, and I think that, I mean, yes, you need some more sides. And I, 
but I think there's some guys there that you can continue to uh, to build around. And I do think, you know, I think Luca's going to continue to get better. I think we haven't seen him hit uh, hit his ceiling, and I think he's going to continue to get better and grow uh, as a player as well. I'm not sure. You know, I've definitely heard uh, differing views on this, as I know you have as well, as far as, As far as what's the best option for him, uh, can he stay on the ball? Does he need to move off the ball and play off the whatever? I, I'm uh, I'm not 100% sure what that answer is. I think it depends on what other uh, weapons are on the court. But I think I think the future is very bright for Luka Doncic. I think it is for uh, the Dallas Mavericks. And we got to look at even too. This is a year that he did not come in in good shape, and there were some people. Uh, including me on this network, that questioned him a little bit throughout the year, and, I, and but nice season for him, and nice uh, step forward for that franchise. We'll see if uh, we'll see if you know is this their ceiling, or can they continue to advance, and can can Luca take them at some point, like Dirk did, like Dirk did the team, and get them in a spot to contend for a championship and get a ring and put his name in a whole other conversation. I don't know, but, you know, today was this year, getting to this level was definitely a a step in that direction for them. Uh, being able to, to win two sets of playoff round series or whatever and get to this point is definitely a huge step forward and a chance for, for him to grow. And if he's the caliber of player that a lot of people think he might be, uh, this could serve as motivation for a future title run and maybe one day a ring for, for Luca. We'll see. The one thing that I say about the situation between Dirk and Luca, Dirk had to go through these fights throughout the Western Conference and, and did a lot of running from 2006, making it interesting with the Heat and uh, being patient enough on the organization five years later in 2011 to actually get that championship. But the one thing about Dirk in comparison to Luka, Luka has a decent staff of players around him, but they're going to have to move pieces that play to Luka's skill set. Um, and when Dirk uh, was playing basketball at that point in time, they brought guards that could sit outside of what he created and hit shots with Jason Terry and Jason Kidd knocking down shots, and even uh, Sean Marion was hitting shots with him too. Uh, they also have Pager coming off the bench. Uh, a marksman shooter. So they're going to need all of that. That's the style of play Dallas plays, regardless if they want to change it or not. They are a uh, jump shooting team and, and stay around the perimeter, regardless of the situation. It, it's going to be interesting because everybody's shooting threes now. So if they can outshoot a team for seven games, that's interesting. But I, it, it, I find it hard for them to put that type of cast together to get through the Infinity War, a.k.a. the Western Conference. Uh, the Eastern Conference to me is, you know, like one of the regular <laughs> superhero movies like the Hulk or Thor or whomever, you know, but the the Western Conference, is everybody's involved. Like, no matter what, you're going to get punched in the face one way or another. So we, we'll see how that management gets this thing together to make things work for Dallas in the seasons to come. But for them to get to a Western Conference Finals now while Luka is young, it says a lot. Hopefully they still have the potential to get there next season. Um, but the Western Conference only gets stronger next year. The Clippers will have Kawhi and Paul George back. And um, with LeBron promising that he will never miss the playoffs again, the Lakers should probably be around. But he can't call out injury because I think that's one thing that really hurt the Lakers was injury across the board to LeBron, the AD, so on and so forth. But there are players that are – older that I don't know how long their body holds up to be as stout as they can be or what what they once were. So the Western Conference still has their angles. Hell, you still have to worry about Portland as Dame comes back and seeing what they could put around Dame as well. I think you got to worry about New Orleans more than Portland. With with McCarl Ingram, all those pieces and the possibility of Zion coming back uh, next year, I think New Orleans is a greater threat than uh, Portland. And, and just like you said, New Orleans, just thinking about how a lot of people thought Zion was disgruntled to get out of Louisiana. 
now that they brought CJ there, they have a full four. Adding Zion in, that's a five. They have a full five now. There's no excuse whether they want to go with Devontae uh, Graham or if they want to go with Alvarado at the point guard. But they have C.J. McCullough, they have Brandon Ingram, they have Jonas Valanciunas, and Zion is the power forward that they fit in there. Uh, he's just been cleared for all activity, so he's ready to go uh, with the offseason situation and being ready for the regular season. So um, this is where a lot of people are mad or questioning his health or his shape. This is where he has to go full board to appease everybody, which, of course, he can knock off pounds because of the much weight that he gained, but you got to understand that he had a foot injury. I, I don't know how much running he could have did. He could have just probably been on a stationary bike or something like that. But if he can knock off, let's just say he, he's at 310, if he can knock off like a solid 30, 35, that'd be great. I don't know if they want him at like 250. It just it, it takes away from his strength, I'm thinking, but I think it's better for his health and his joints and things of that nature. But it, it, you can't take the teeth out of the lion. So it, it's interesting how they have to play this with Zion. But now this is his road back. And if he comes back stronger, better, quicker, that's going to be amazing to see him better, like like from what Zion was able to create. Hell, he was, he was averaging 25 and 7 in the games that he played in the NBA. So if this, if he gets better than that, it's going to be crazy. I could just imagine him putting up 30 and 8 or 30 and 9. Like, that's, that's going to be scary alongside Joe Val and Brandon Ingram uh, and C.J. McCullum. It makes it easier if the, the rest of the NBA have to worry about a monster that could jump 13 feet in the sky. So <laughs> that, that's another team in the Western Conference. I'm telling you, this is the Infinity War. TV, they've been playing around with C.J. McCullum you know, a lead guard also playing uh, point for them some and really liking some of that look that I've been hearing. It's like, I'm not sure if they're going to make that a, a full deal, but they, they don't mind him being on the ball a good bit uh, for them, I don't think. So that would allow them, him and some others handling the ball some, that would allow them to sometimes insert a little bit more length in the lineup, in the backcourt, especially for defensive purposes with C.J. McCollum, which could make them an even bigger problem if uh, they're not turning the ball over. Yeah, but I I think that the the way that the Pelicans are going to play, I don't want C.J. to be bringing the ball up, especially if he's a trigger man. And um, that was something that hurt them in the playoffs is that he was off. He wasn't hitting the shots that he normally would hit. Uh, he was taking a lot of wiry threes at this point in time, too. It's like I think he more or less was trying to prove himself that he could hit the shot, and it's like just play your regular game like you did in Portland. I feel like they could have got Phoenix out of there. They they threatened the Suns. So if they were threatening the Suns without a guy like Zion, I'm not really worried about him bringing the ball up because Alvarado, all he has to do is get across half court and get the offense set. I don't want C.J. to be one that's starting the offense up and then pass the ball to start running around because they know he's the attention. I'd rather him come off the screen and pull up if it can happen, and it opens things up for Zion. But that's that's the, the makeup of the Pelicans. We'll see what Willie Green could do at this point in time because he's a young coach that has to make a, a name for himself down in New Orleans, uh, especially with all of his assistant coaching duties. Now that he has a stable that he has to run, it, it's going to be interesting in Louisiana. So, it, again, this is another team to worry about. Uh, depending on if Pop stays or goes, the Spurs are a team you have to worry about why Pop is in front of that organization too. So, again, at least uh, 10 to 12 teams you got to worry about in a Western Conference. It doesn't make it that easy for a team like Dallas or Denver as they get Jamal Murray back too. Like, everybody's getting a lot of these players back that we didn't see for the entire season. These players were injured for an entire season. That, that's rare that you see so many teams missing players out like that. So, Again, Dallas has their hands full. Uh, they've done well with what was in front of them. You, you can't tell everybody to get healthy. Come on, we, you got to play how it is at the end of the day. So the call-in number is 929-477-2759. We have the other side of the Mississippi, which is known as the East, better known as the Eastern Conference Finals. And I told you guys at the beginning of the show, there is two words in sports that get everybody to bite their nails, sit at the edge of their seat, get their popcorn ready, stand up, pace around, high-five people, cry, <laughs> do, do everything that they could possibly do, and it is game seven 
in South Beach, a.k.a. Miami. Um, the Boston Celtics had the edge up 3-2 going into the garden in Boston. The Heat did everything that they could to withstand the storm, and Jimmy Butler came up with a Herculean effort, putting up a 47-point night up against the Boston Celtics to force a game seven. Um, I know the Celtics should have been able to close them out at home. They didn't. Now there's so much pressure on the Boston Celtics going to Florida. Uh, the Miami Heat have their hands full because this Boston Celtics team has done well on the road. Uh, it's so many different narratives. There's so many different people to look at. Um, I don't like to say it like this, but the finger pointing is where it starts. When are you going to step up? When are you going to step up? When are you going to coach better? When are you going to adjust? Like, There's so many different scenarios in this series that this, this is probably one of the best series out in this uh, playoffs. I was contested on Wednesday uh, being told that the Milwaukee Bucks-Boston series was better than this. Uh, now that it's game seven, I disagree now. <laughs> I, I still stand strong on what I said. I think this Miami-Boston series is the best series in the playoff run or postseason run. Um, there was another person that said the Memphis Grizzlies and the Golden State Warriors were a better series, but they only went five or six games, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. So they this is a game seven situation. All the stars are in line. Nobody's safe, uh, whether it's home court or on the road. Um, Miami does play better when they're in Florida. Uh, the Celtics are just fine playing anywhere, whether it's in Massachusetts or in somebody else's arena. So there's no real clear-cut edge to this situation. Um, looking at what's going on uh, for this game tonight, the Celtics are actually the favorite by three, even even with three. If it was one, two, or three, I still call this a pick em to me because that's a bucket. So, uh, Mike, your thoughts on how this went down the last game for game six between the Miami Heat going to Boston and now how it looks for game seven with the Celtics entering the state of Florida to try and get this thing back to Massachusetts for a game seven. Um, let's see. So, I was thinking this is game seven in Miami. Today. Can you repeat that? I'm sorry. You're low. Thinking that this is game seven in Miami today. And yes, this is game seven, yes. Yeah. And so, would that be in the case, like, so I was pretty sure I knew I know what's going to happen until you just told me that point today, and I say that because I think that I think Boston's going to win. I still do. I I don't know why. I think they're probably the better team and have the most weapons and the most firepower, and so I think they're going to win. I don't see uh, Lowry and Butler combining for sixty-five again. Uh, they may, but I, I just don't see it. I don't think that's going to happen. I think somehow Boston's going to win, but I think it's when I see that Boston is uh, favored by three and a half on the road, it makes me a little bit suspicious. But I don't know. That that doesn't happen a lot. We don't see a lot of road teams favored in in game seven. But I, I feel like they're the better team. I think it has been a very, very entertaining series. Uh, you mentioned Memphis and Golden State. I I think the Boston-Milwaukee series can be um, in the discussion as well as far as best postseason series. Uh, and I think that what happens tonight in this Game 7 can, can solidify your statement, really, that this is the most entertaining series, especially if it ends up being a good game and very uh, competitive and you know, playmakers making plays and it being something that, you know, has that wow factor to it. So uh, we'll definitely see. We'll definitely see. I think uh, I I can't remember a series in which each road, each home team lost two out of their three home games in order to get here to game seven. I'm sure there have been times that it happened, but it just seems uh, a little peculiar to me. And 
uh, a weird series, but I guess that's part of why the odds are going with Boston to uh, to win on the road. I I like I like Boston to win. I think I, that's uh, that's a that's an odd line though. I I don't think that I, I think there's a beauty in Game Sevens, and I like to sit back and watch them and really enjoy them. And other than like a bet on the bets on the series that I might have made before. I don't know if I like that line, man. I don't know if I'm willing to put money on a on a single game outcome on this, and I'm not sure that I want to uh, add that into the equation when I want to enjoy the beauty that is Game Seven. Um, it's three, even at three and a half or three, but it's three points. Um, I think the last couple of times that they were in Miami, Boston was the favorite down there. Miami really didn't have. Uh, the edge on Boston through the Las Vegas or the lines that were being given. So Boston is still the favorite, even going into a game seven going down there. But the way that they let Miami hang around is something that for myself, I feared for them because you don't want to go into another team's arena and have to fight for a game seven. This is tough. Like, the game seven that they had against Milwaukee was different because they were in Boston to get Milwaukee out of there. But now you're in Miami to try and have to earn this, to bring this back to Massachusetts. This is – it's favorable for Miami, you know, but Boston has played well on the road all season long, including in this postseason where they actually, I think, stole two – in Milwaukee, they've also taken two from Miami, but now they're going to literally have to go to Florida and get the third game in Miami. If they're able to do this, they are the road monsters. I can't say Warriors because the Warriors are out west. So they're the road monsters if they're able to pull this off. This is a tough thing for a young first-year coach in Ime Udoka uh, doing a great job to get them to this point, but there's a lot of question marks that I have where interesting enough they'll have interesting sets while the other set is doing well he'll take them out and then they lose momentum and Miami is doing their thing and then you enter the players that were just in there they basically cooled off because they were just on the floor but now all hands have to be on deck uh there was a point in time in game six Peyton Pritchard barely played Robert Williams was taken out of the game and he's one of their better defensive players in the paint and I get it, you want Horford on the floor to shoot threes, but you can't have everybody standing around the perimeter. I think it makes it that much more of an uh, interesting situation for Miami to watch everybody try to beat them by jump shooting, and they're a jump shooting team too, which makes it interesting to see who hits more shots at the end of the day. So Udoka hopefully has a, a, an interesting game plan. Spolster has been a coach that's been to the finals, uh, I think it's five times. Uh, four with LeBron and then one with Jimmy Butler in the bubble going up against the Lakers in 2020. So he knows what it takes to try and get these closeout situations, but he had different players at that time. So the ones that he did have in 2020 were Jimmy Butler uh, and Bam Adebayo. He also had Tyler Harrow, but we have to wait to see more about Tyler Harrow uh, due to the growing injury. He's been out for a good amount for the past couple of games. Um, but everybody has to give it a go. This is game seven, and this is what everybody plays for, championship aspirations, and hopefully they can get it done to bring it back to South Beach. If not, uh, the Boston Celtics get back to where they're used to being for over half a century, you know, since uh, the Bill Russell days. So if they can add another one to the parquet floor of winning the Eastern Conference, there's a lot on the line here. This is just incredible that has gone to a game seven and get your popcorn ready. So to me, I looking at the spread, I'm, I don't even, I don't even bother with what the spread looks like, like to uh, what Vegas is up to. Cause Vegas is trying to pull people to be the sucker, if you will. Um, I feel like Boston has the ability to pull this out, but I feel like Miami could also be the surprise team to get, catch everybody knocking them off, including a guy like Udonis Haslam that said, Thank you to Draymond Green for saying that the Celtics were going to win this series. That's bulletin board material that gets everybody hyped up on Miami's end um, to fight like there's no tomorrow. And um, now this has to inspire Boston. If Boston doesn't come out inspired uh, out of that locker room, out of the gate to play well, uh, a slow start may catch them up. 
I really feel like this could be a fourth quarter game at the end of the day where the score is close and if somebody goes on a run, that may end up hurting the other team. This is incredible. This is this is what we live for for you know these sports situations to happen. And um, I'm I'm at the end of my seat. I don't I don't know who I give the edge to because I feel like Boston has been. They have had over ten games this season where they won on the road over twenty points, including a game or I think they had a game this series in the Eastern Conference Finals where they beat Miami by twenty in Miami. So. They're not only comfortable playing on the road; they're they're able to go in there and and beat the crap out of people. And Miami has, when they're successful in this playoff run, they didn't start losing at home until they played Boston. They beat the heck out of the Hawks. They beat the heck out of the Sixers at home. They have to prove that they could defend their house. Um, I, I am going to say I'm going with the Celtics. I think the Celtics can do it, but this is scary for the Celtics to be in this position when they should have been able to do this in Massachusetts. But nevertheless, this this is what sports is all about. Uh, Mike, is there anything that you'd like to add to this before we get away from it? No, I agree. Mike, I, like I said, I like the Celtics as well, but I do think it's a tall task to go in and have to win a road game uh, and it be a game seven. I think that magnifies it, of course. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we got it. No, we, some years we don't get game sevens, um, and then often, a lot of times when we do, we almost can predict the outcome, and a lot of times end up right. And so it'll be interesting to see how this one turns out. I, I expect it to be competitive. I just hope it doesn't disappoint. That'll be my last thought. Anyway. Okay, uh, we are at the last ten minutes, so I'm going to get a lot of filler in here. Your Los Angeles Lakers hired Darvin Ham as the new head coach. Your thoughts on Darvin Ham getting the responsibility to lead the team that you support and back at this point in time? Uh, so, I mean, listen, I think he's, uh, you know, hasn't been proven, uh, but have we seen situations where guys have been put into – Jobs that haven't been before, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's probably, it's probably not the best hire for the, you know, that they could have come up with. But you know, they say he was instrumental in Milwaukee's run. He's been around for a while. He's, uh, what I've heard about him for years, even seen him as a player. Uh, he's a hard worker, and people uh, really tend to gravitate towards him. So. I mean, we'll see. I think it's a tall task uh, to take on that that job and that situation and that roster as it's constructed and what the future looks like. And you know, he's willing to do it. You know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, I hope the best for him. Uh, he's much smarter than me. If they find out, I'll figure out a way to uh, put this back together and make this team. Uh, any kind of uh, contender next year, but I'm uh, I'm proud to see a black man, another black man, get a head coaching job in the NBA. I'll feel bad for Darvin Ham because he's in a rough scenario. Uh, yes, he's played in several. He, yes, he's played in several different locations. He's been a part of been a part of a couple of different coaching staffs but he's now having to deal with the dynamic of LeBron James and the Lakers and knowing how LeBron is more or less hands-on on trying to implement how he wants things to be played is another thing. If Darvin's ready to jump into that scenario and have to deal with what management has there, whether Russell sticks around, the health of Anthony Davis, if they do move some of these players, if Carmelo, is still, if Carmelo still has anything in the tank left to be as dynamic as he once was, I want to say in the past two to four years. I don't want to say the old Carmelo from the early 2010s. That guy's not here any longer, but he's still able to knock down shots. So it's interesting that they have a lot of star power by name. They need the star power to come out there and play with a coach that this is his first thing as a head coach and has the the presence of the Lakers on his back. There's a lot of pressure that comes with the Los Angeles Lakers. It's not just you know, coaching a guy like LeBron James, but knowing the mystique that the Lakers are at the head of the NBA with the 
the Boston Celtics as much as they've been able to bring back championships to their respected organizations. So I know that presence will be on him, especially trying to get the Lakers to win the West. That That's the job. It's not just the coachy guys because, you know, LeBron is at the end of his run. And for him to be ousted in the first round last year and miss the playoffs this year, they're going to want to see them in the playoffs and be competitive uh, in this upcoming season. So it's easier said than done but we will see how that gets handled. Um, any Anything else that you'd like to address before we get ready to close up in here? No, man, I, I would say that, you know, it, it's always fun doing uh, shows with you guys. And I think, um, you know, sometimes, uh, Sometimes sports is our distraction uh, from the real world, and and sometimes there's uh, sometimes there's things that 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 happen in the world that that even breaks down those barriers, and uh, and we have to talk about it, right? So heart goes out to all the people um, affected this week, and much respect to. Steve Kerr and others that have spoken up and and even uh respect to Gabe Kapler and the uh and his protest. I mean, I, I think that um we need some change, man. But whatever we're doing, you know, isn't working. They say repeating, you know, the same thing over and over and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. So I mean, serious call for change so we can uh to make this uh, world a safer place, man. I mean, people shouldn't, parents and people shouldn't have to worry about the lives of people they love um, when they go to school to try to better themselves and and prepare for life. And so, uh, man, just make sure you reach out and love on the people that, that you care about and make sure they know how you feel. And and love and respect to UTP and to everybody in Sports City Chefs. Always a, a pleasure and a privilege to be part. And I'll, I'll hold off on everything else, man. But that's just what I wanted to say. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to do it quickly. Um, I've always respected Gabe Kapler. Um, this guy is an incredible player. Um, when he was playing baseball, he was probably one of those model-looking type of guys, you wouldn't expect him to be that because if you look at him, he's full of tattoos, he's jacked, so on and so forth. And as soon as all of this stuff started happening, for him to retreat, and I was reading something interesting that he said, he was like, when it was happening before, he wanted to take a knee. His body wanted to take the knee. His mind said no, so he did nothing. Now that he sees this, he said he'd rather not even be out there on the field watching the anthem go down. Gabe, I am a fan. Steve Kerr, I am a fan. You guys are speaking up for the right of people. It is no longer the complexion. It is no longer the political party. It is us, the people. That's what gets lost in translation when you look at the Constitution. They say we, the people, not we, the Republicans, not we, the Democrats, not we, the black people, not we, the white people. It's not that. So you guys are looking at people, and that's what you have to be, people persons or or have great people skills, and this is what's happening, and hopefully it gets infectious across the board. Okay, Mike, so I need a plug, closeout, shout-out, anything that you like to promote as we shut the doors here at the brunch. Man, shout-out to – Barbershop family uh, on Clubhouse, eleven thousand strong. Listen, we had uh, we had a good room last night during the fight. Had some people in there really uh, that had some knowledge of the boxing game. We had some real good discussion. So, uh, listen for Game Seven. Pop by if you want to uh, join us for part of it. Pop back in, come in and out, whatever you want to do, or even throughout your week if you're in your car. Check out the barbershop and what we do. It's uh, it's pretty fun. There's a reason why we've been able to uh, grow to the number that we have. Uh, shout out, respect, and love to Timeless and Groove, and Groove the founder, and uh, Timeless for 
being the soul of the place and uh a lot of people that are around on a on a regular daily basis that make it what it is, man. Check out Sports City Chef, the blog, the website, all the different things we got going on. The baseball show on Tuesdays, cookout on Wednesdays, the mothership, the brunch on Sunday mornings with uh the timeless one and yours truly, man. And Lazy Lay Bonton Roulet and we'll talk to you in the week to come. Oh, and that you already know how that go down. He said everything that I need to promote, so tell a friend to tell a friend that it's chef again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports city, sports city, chef, chef. Sports city, sports city, chef, chef. Sports city, sports city, chef, chef. Sports city, sports city, chef. Kaboom! Sports city chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the sports city chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Sports city, sports city chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city chefs, chefs. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.